0: Previously on the Simply
1: Human Podcast,
2: we get back to the house and we're doing you know the normal thing. Everybody's there, and I start feeling the the rumbling, <laughs> the rumbling in my tummy.
3: It's episode nineteen of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's an interview with Dr. Catherine Ehrlich, then it's another interesting edition of the Humans Being Humans segment with the Caltons, who we had on the show last time, and we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week. How are you, Rick? Good, Mark. How's it going? Oh, things are good. I uh, I guess, if you want to call this the part of the enjoy thing, I just, like 10 seconds ago, walked in from the house. I, they're... <sighs> I don't even know how to say this. I I was performing in front of 1,500 eighth graders. And, and not so much performing. It was more of a, uh, I was sort of asked to sort of lead this little hour-long sort of breakout session for this leadership thing that our city is doing. And I, bet I did a superhero theme, so I was dressed in, in black tights and a superhero, like a Superman cape, and I played the Superman theme song and had a whole like choreo- choreographed bit at the beginning, and it was pretty crazy. I'm supposed to be getting a video of it, and if I do, I will put it on our YouTube channel, and uh, it's... Embarrassing. Oh that
2: sounds that sounds crazy. Yeah.
3: One of the one of the presenters that I was like introducing had a granddaughter in the crowd and she like pointed out her granddaughter. So the next time I came up, like in between presenters, I was like, Hey, I also this is funny. My grandchild is in the crowd. John, stand up. I just picked like a random name and like everyone turned around to look for this person. And I was like, Y'all seriously, y'all think I'm I'm a grandfather? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh, my goodness. Hey, man,
2: America 2014. Yeah, there are bigger seriously. surprises than that, you know?
3: And speaking of pooping your pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Soft yeah. I did At one point, I said, I was talking about kids. It was relevant. And I said, I have a four- and a three-year-old daughter. And I have a, a son who's three months old. All he knows how to do is really poop and pee on himself. And I just kind of vaguely pointed over to, I mean, the, the 1,500 kids. has filled up this whole huge theater and I just kind of vaguely pointed. I was like, "This this guy does that." He told me earlier. And then I was thinking, "Oh no, what if I actually pointed to like a kid who actually has a problem pooping and peeing in his pants or something?" And I was like, I felt weird about it the whole rest of the uh, rest of the hour. I was like, Poor kid. so what's going on with you? Well, from the
2: from the non enjoyment tab, that you <laughs> called me just a second ago to tell me we we're getting ready to record. I was reading the uh, the, <laughs> the death of Marvin Gaye uh, article on Wikipedia. Uh huh. I'm not sure how I ended up there. Yeah, I'll okay. go Wikipedia something, and I go and I Rabbit start just hole. clicking the highlighted words, and I end up in some place that's <laughs> horribly depressing. And this is actually kind of funny. My dad, when I was a kid, used to tell me that story, and I think there was like a subtle implication, like why he's telling me, like, uh, "Son, if you ever mess with me, I'll kill you." Too. <laughs> Uh, I knew you would think that's funny because you know my dad, and yes. i don't think he 'd really murder me, but that's just funny really? that like uh that 's a story I always heard when I was like a very very, very small <laughs> kid because it happened when I was like four so yeah. there there you go yeah
3: Awkward. your your dad's the one that uh, we went to a Rangers game together, our dad's and us, and we were probably what i don 't know seventh or eighth grade, and my dad told this hilarious <laughs> joke and and your dad didn 't even like didn't even like crack a smile or give him like a like a courtesy laugh, just like straight face didn't even acknowledge in any former fan not even with like a a a breathing out like a (sighs) Mm. (laughs) welcome to my world Mark's dad (laughs) Uh. cool well it's february this is the first show uh on uh in in february so i think we're 38 days into the year and i am 38 for 38 on flossing
2: I'm not quite as good as you are, but I'm I, I've done quite well. I'm quite surprised with how I've done flossing.
3: Well, and, and the asparagus uh, video was, was yeah. quite funny. Well,
2: and that's the asparagus video is funny. Like I was supposed to, like that, I was intending at that point to do mushroom and olive, but we are out of both of them. Oh, what are you gonna do? Oh, so I picked whoops. like a random. And you know, asparagus is kind of starting out slow, yeah. and I'm really nervous still about. You know, we're building this mushroom and olive thing up to be. It's probably not. I'm probably gonna think they're just delicious. I'm like, oh man, yep. like the video is me just ramming them into my mouth like <laughs> a pound at a time. But. A
3: whole jar of uh, olives, yeah. and then you vomit, yeah, because it's just too <laughs> dense. Yeah, perfect. Gross. Cool. Well, um, yeah. So how how was the month? How's January for you? Uh,
2: January was good. Uh, my. Resolution. I guess it was number two or three or whatever was to go a whole month without uh, cheating. No sugars, no grains at all. Period. Nothing. Nothing. No uh, little treats here and there. And I, I had two very slight hiccups, uh, but that was it. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the month I was on point. That's and uh, percentage. I I kind of read on. Uh, I wrote on the, a blog posting that I think you're getting ready to throw up there that. Uh, you know, I felt good, and I more than anything, I learned that, like, uh, you know, there's some trepidation when you're not, like, super health food Jones, when you try to start, <laughs> like, really eating healthy and try to learn about these things. There's some trepidation, like, how am I going to get through life without without bread? Because bread is a staple. Bread right. is a staple that we've been dealing with as long as we've been alive, uh, of, you know, sandwiches and burgers and, you know,
3: Burritos, pizzas and all this stuff. Yeah.
2: So, uh, you know, there's... Uh, for someone who's never been like super incredibly like food health conscious wise, I was nervous about it. But, you know, after a month, I just kind of learned that, you know, this is totally something that's sustainable. I I didn't feel deprived. I wasn't ever hungry. Uh, I felt healthy. And granted, I don't have, you know, some great number from a scale to give you because I don't really weigh myself anymore. I try to measure my progress by other things. My pants are looser. My wedding ring is looser. You know, I feel better. But, uh, you know, I think that's the main thing that I picked up off of this. Is it like you know, it was almost like I was jumping into the pool, like right into the deep end, instead of like wandering in, you know, through the shallow end. And it's something that this is something I can do right. for sure.
3: Yeah, I, I haven't weighed myself much either. I, I do. I weighed like a couple of weeks ago just to see because I know I'm I'm trying to put mass on right now with my. Through like the the branch chain amino acids that I'm taking and when I'm eating certain things and my workouts and so I I've, I've put on probably ten or fifteen pounds of mass uh, and like so I don't like yeah like you said I don't I like measuring with other things so to me like I I did my my, my one rep maxed shoulder press today and it was my new PR and so it's like that's the kind of thing that I would rather you know, gauge like how I'm doing as my strength. And so that's, uh, and it all just kind of depends on your goals as well. So, I mean, if if fat loss is your goal, weight loss is your goal, then weighing maybe once a week is okay. Like as just kind of a, you know, a crutch, so to speak, to get you where you want to be, but it should not be a part of a sustainable way of life. Um,
2: well, I think too, if weight loss is your goal and you're doing this and you're weighing yourself too often, uh, I think it was uh, maybe Abel James, maybe it was uh, Jonathan Baylor. Somebody on a podcast that I listened to last week said that you know, the numbers on a scale are kind of like the stock market. Every day the stock market goes up a little bit, goes down a little bit, goes up a little bit more, goes down a little more. And you can't look at it day to day and understand the trend. You have to look at like the numbers plotted out on a map for six months. Well, that's really what kind of like your weight is designed to kind of do that. That's it, one day you'll be up a little bit. One day you'll be down a little bit. It doesn't mean you're not losing fat. It doesn't mean you're not gaining muscle. It just, you have to look at the overall trend. And I know for me, when I was trying to lose weight, which isn't really my goal now, but a couple of years ago, if the number wasn't as like, you know, lowered to the point where I thought it should have been, I would just get discouraged and I would, you know, it, it would be hard for me to keep motivated, but that's not really my goal for eating this way at this point. So you know, why torture myself with numbers? Yeah, I'd like to be, you know, a good strength to weight ratio and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, if my number is not as good, I don't really care because I feel good. I feel like I look better and, uh, you know, clothes are fitting better. So, you know, that's that's kind of my point of why I don't really weigh myself anymore.
3: Good stuff. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go on into it. And and uh, as you hear the Ben Halen song slowly start to fade back in... Uh, You can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com There are links to the Facebook page, YouTube channel Where you you can find the Rick Asparagus video Uh, Also links to the Simply Human Kids page Follow me on Twitter at simplyhuman52 Email either one of us I'm at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com Rick is at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com All one word, we'll link to his email address in the uh, show notes as well Um, So our interview today is Dr. Catherine Ehrlich, who's a board-certified pediatrician who completed her pediatric residency at William Beaumont Hospital in 1998. She practiced conventional pediatrics for 11 years before opening Healing the Whole Child in June 2009. uh, Dr. Ehrlich said goodbye to her large conventional pediatric practice in Bingham Farms, Michigan, and in October of that year, 2009, she resumed caring for patients through Healing the Whole Child, which I will link to in the show notes. So our interview with Dr. Ehrlich, where Rick joins us as well. We talk about what prompted her to write her book, Super Nutrition for Babies, what happens to kids when they don't get good nutrition from the very start, are the negative effects of nutrient-poor foods reversible, some finger foods and some foods that are good in the place of puffs, crackers, things like that. We talk about the future health of America, and we, of course, ask her, what is something that she enjoys about life, or something that she does to make life more enjoyable. So, Dr. Katherine Ehrlich, here she goes. All right, joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, I am just absolutely thrilled to have our guest on today, and I got a book. Actually, I can't even remember how it was recommended to me, uh, but it was recommended through a very... Uh, Uh, of source that I hold in high regard, it must have been because I ordered it immediately. I got the book called Super Nutrition for Babies, The Right Way to Feed Your Baby for Optimal Health by Katherine Ehrlich and Kelly Genslinger. And so I have this book and I've been referencing it, my wife, her pregnancy and everything, and I'm using recipes to feed my kids stuff and getting all these ideas. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to Dr. Ehrlich and see if she's even someone who would want to do something like this. And we had a conversation and some emails back and forth. Dr. Ehrlich, welcome to the Simply Human podcast. I'm so happy to have you on with us today.
0: Hi, it's my pleasure.
3: And uh, Rick is also on the call. He hasn't uh, been in on a ton of the interviews, but uh, we're happy to have Rick with us as well.
2: I'm here, and I have uh, two children. Uh, can, can you
3: hear me? Well, you're coming. Kind of, yeah, we got, we got a bad connection with Rick somehow. Can you hear me now? There you are.
2: Okay, yeah, I'm here.
3: all right well yeah so uh yeah rick has two kids i think he was trying to say that he's got he's got two yeah i've got
2: i've I've got two boys and this is something that especially now is interesting you know to me and my wife so i'm very very much looking forward to this all
3: right so i guess we'll just start off you know who are you 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 have an md so what is your background and where how did you get to where you are today
0: i started off as a conventional pediatrician, did my training at a regular at, at, at Michigan State University Medical School, MD school, and did my residency and um, proceeded to practice traditional conventional medicine for a good 11 years. And over the years, I just became more and more frustrated with um, really what I was seeing of, in children. The children who seemed to be getting more illnesses that I couldn't help them with, more complicated things that I would send off to the specialist and the specialist would then send back and say, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. This is complicated. This doesn't seem to be in my realm. Why don't you send them to somebody else? And then we'd send them to somebody else. And and, and the kids were just being bounced around and not really finding any improvement. And sometimes they would say, well, they're not sick enough yet. We'll just wait till they get sicker and then we can help them. And I wanted to give them something that would help them help to prevent them from getting sicker Not just wait till they get sicker and so that that started to prompt some of my my thinking really my background though even prior to that since my father is a holistic veterinarian and I think when I was 12 or 13 years old he started to get into that and was doing acupuncture and learning things and it always seemed like voodoo to me it always seemed such <laughs> so, so far out there and during my residency My residency, my father was always trying to give me information and and tell me holistic stuff to do. And I just, I'm like, Dad, I'm not there. This is you. This is not me. And um, finally, when my daughter was nine months old, I had finished my residency, and I was just really out probably. She about a year at that point from residency. I came, um, I developed Graves' disease, and that's a hyperthyroid condition. Mm -hmm. And, um and they wanted to take my thyroid away. They wanted to burn it out, and I would never be able to breastfeed again because you're radioactive at that point. And I was not ready to stop breastfeeding. That was really important to me at the time. And I turned to my father, and I said, Dad, I said, if you can help me, if you can help me get better, I will read anything you say. And so <laughs> I got better, and I've been reading ever since. So I do credit my father with a, a, a lot of my, the direction that I've headed um, and, uh, and I really appreciate his guidance
3: good okay, now you are a, a um,
0: from there I think that that so that started me off thinking but but really I didn't leave conventional medicine until many years later uh, after about nine years in conventional medicine and I had started to use some holistic things. I had started to use probiotic and vitamin D and I had started to recommend vitamin C for patients and I started to see the tremendous impact that some of these simple things were making. I recommended to some patients to stop Dairy, and then their their ear infection stopped, and they no longer needed to get ear tubes. And I recommended one patient who was having ble- a bleeding disorder to take some vitamin C because she happened to have a pneumonia at the time. And guess what her bleeding disorder completely went away. It was quite remarkable. <laughs> and I had another patient who had seizures who I just said, You know what, hey, why don't we just try gluten free and dairy free' And their seizures went away while they were gluten-free and dairy-free. And then when their life changed and they added gluten and dairy back into their life, the child seizures came back. And so to see some of these remarkable changes happening in my patients really pushed me more to say, hey, if this little bit of information can make a difference for my patients, then what could so much more information make? And at the same time, my own son was struggling with some health issues, with recurrent ear infections and skin infections and abdominal pain, and and I was trying to work with him on those as well. And 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 he has continued to um, challenge me and teach me along the way. And and thankfully, a lot of the information that I have learned has helped him tremendously. Right. So is it basically
3: so, just the the research and trial and error in your own practice, and then with your own kids? Is that what sort of prompted you to write the super nutrition for babies book?
0: Well, that goes a little bit, so that's something that in my, with my patients, I needed my patients to have more information than I could give. You know, I only have a certain amount of time in, a, in, a, in, in an office visit to spend talking and giving, I can't spend time giving recipes and explaining everything. So instead of always, you know, people, instead of leaving them with not enough information, I felt like I really need a book. And so it happened at the same time that I was on a committee at um, in our local school district to work with getting healthier food into the schools because I was very disappointed with the school lunch program in oh, our schools yes. and in all the schools. And Kelly Genslinger, who is a nutritionist, she also was very interested. We were in different schools, but we were in the same district, and so we came together on um, kind of the overall district wellness board, trying to create it and make different make change. And I said to Kelly, I said, I really need a book. You know, she had written one book prior. It's about sugar, and. And i was like, gosh, it'd be great if you could write a book. And she was looking, and she was thinking, and she said to me, hey, would you like to write the book together? And I said, that's great. And so that's really how it came about.
3: Okay. Um, now, what happens sort of in your, in your I guess, I, don't, I wouldn't even call it an opinion, because I, I, I think it would be fact <laughs> in this case, but when, when kids don't have that foundation of proper nutrition, like for instance, you know, like I have a lot of people say, well, my granddad eats this and that, and, and does all these things, and and he's ninety-five, and it's like, well, yeah, but he hit the first, you know, two-thirds of his life was he was eating real whole foods. So, what happens when you take that foundation away initially, and, and all the kids start eating right from the very get-go? Is this nutrient-less foods? Like, um, what what are the, some of the, the uh, implications of that?
0: Well, you're absolutely right that we look at older generations and we say, "Gosh, you know, they ate. Look what they ate. They ate all this stuff." And they're, they're eating all this stuff now, and they're maybe even smoking, and they might be drinking or whatever, and they're still 95 years old. But you're right. You look back at their history. All that existed 95 years ago was organic food. There was no such thing right. as genetic modification. There was no such thing as all these pesticides. There was, it wasn't sugar like it is in the diets that we have now. So these older people really are also, on, on top of having that foundation of having a good diet, clean diet, they also were the ones that made it. They were the healthy ones that made it, whereas, made, you know, there was a lot more, they were, their siblings may not have made it. So these right. are these people who had the strong um, constitutional makeup and a strong foundation, typically, that have made it this long. And, and when we have the benefits of that, when we have great-grandparents and grandparents and parents that were raised eating cleanly and they're passing those and nutritiously, they're passing that genetic information along to us. There actually is something called epigenetics, which is a science of how the genetics, how our genes change based on the environment that they're placed in. So you can take um, one person or there, for example, there is... Um, A study done on these mice, these agouti mice, and the agouti mice are known to have metabolic problems, be obese, have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, kind of metabolic syndrome that you'd see today. And when you feed the mother mouse a really nutritious diet, high in folic acid, and I think some other nutrients, their babies. Come out of that mother with the same genetics that that maybe the the tw- the the identical mouse having babies that was that weren't um didn't have the fortified diet came out and the babies that had the fortified diet were completely looked like completely different mice. The wow. regular agouti mice are white and they're fat and they have all these medical problems and the babies born to the mothers that were fortified are turn out brown and thin, and are healthy. Huh. And that is your kind of classic example of what a good nutrition does for a baby when the mother is, has sound nutrition and when the babies are in utero.
3: Right. Now, in your book, you talk about the, the three C conditions, which is the contemporary chronic childhood maladies or diseases. So when you don't get, you know, super nutrition right from the get-go, so what are the, some of the things that, that our kids are now facing today?
0: Well, we are, we're seeing illnesses that our parents have never that didn't see, that our grandparents certainly haven't seen. We're seeing an incredible rise in illnesses that um, typically you see as adult onset illnesses, things like diabetes. We're seeing way more in children, and we're seeing both type 1 and type 2 um, increases in children. We're seeing more hyperthyroidism in children. We're seeing more cancers in children. Um, obviously, everybody knows we're seeing more attention deficit. We're seeing autism. Autism didn't even exist when our grandparents were kids. And we've watched the autism epidemic rise from, I think, when I first started learning about autism, not in residency or anything, but like more recently, it was was one in 188. And then it went to 1 in 110, and then it went to 1 in 88, and now I think the current statistics are 1 in 54 kids is, has an autistic spectrum disorder. Right. And if you count attention deficit as within the spectrum, which some, which some people do because it really stems from the same issues that a child with autism has, we're talking like 1 in 10. Wow. So. It's it's quite, it's, and it just continues to increase. Right.
3: Now, I know like, you know, some some ki- or parents that are, you know, maybe have older kids. Now, if you don't have kids yet and you're not learning all about this stuff, you, you it's kind of like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm just now hearing about this. And so, but if you have like seven, eight, nine, fourteen eight, nine, 14-year-olds and you're hearing all this, you're thinking, oh, no, what have I done to my kids? Like what? So what? Talk about sort of the reversible effects. Like, what is, is it reversible? I mean, if you if you've you know been eating you know the sort of the wrong things or not doing what you're designed to to be eating and and doing things like that, and then sort of how can you can you reverse uh, some of those tendencies?
0: That, that was one of the things that I didn't. When we wrote the book, we were a little afraid that we were going to scare people into feeling like they had that they had, they had missed the opportunity, that they had messed their children up and that they didn't, wouldn't want to <laughs> right. read the book because they would have felt so guilty. And, and I certainly some, think some people do pick this book up and they do think that sometimes. I know some of my best friends won't read my own book because they're, um, they, they don't want to be, feel guilty um, mm. for some of the things that they've done or some of the things that they're choosing not to do right now. Um, but really the, the great thing is is that this is what I do every day. I am working with patients to help reverse those nutrient deficiencies help their bodies to heal. Our body is designed to heal. Otherwise, we'd be like robots and we'd yeah. just fall apart if we didn't have what we needed. But our bodies really can fix themselves if you give the right nutrition and you take away the things that are harmful. And that's, those are two key pieces. One, you have to take away the thing that is constantly causing inflammation on the body. And those things can range from mold in the home It can can be yeast overgrowth, that we're eating too much sugar and we're feeding yeast and we decrease the sugar and it helps tremendously. It can be that we're eating um, foods that our bodies are having a hard time digesting, like wheat or processed dairy, foods that are depleting our bodies of nutrients, like soy, or we could be taking in too many chemicals, like fluoride or bromine. it can be that we have a chronic infection. It can be a dental abscess, a tooth problem. There are so many different things out there. But it can also just be simply we're depleted in some nutrients like iron, zinc, iodine. And so when we replace those foods, those, those nutrients, um, whether it's in supplement form or in food form, however that, that happens, the body then says, "Oh, I have what I need. I can push out this infection more easily." Vitamin D deficiency, for example, is a huge one that, that makes everything harder. It makes everything more reactive and makes, um, makes people just feel really awful. And when we live in an area like where I live in Michigan, where there's six months of the of the year that where we we don't have enough really sun, We see um, a lot of vitamin D deficiency, and in areas even like where you live, where there is sun, people are so afraid of the sun that they put so much sunscreen on that they don't absorb the sun. They don't absorb their vitamin D because sunscreen does lack somewhere up to 95% of vitamin D from the, so you don't get that from the sun.
3: Wow, I'm sure you can hear uh, my daughters running around and singing in the background. They're both wearing their, again. Uh, Rick will know this. They're, they're both again wearing their ballerina uh, outfits, so, which just seems to be, I guess that's all they wear. But so that's what that is in the background. Um.
2: See, the point you just touched on, Doctor, is is the 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 most important part for me, at least that I take away from this is I have two boys, one is five and or actually almost six and almost three, and this is kind of you know paying attention to nutrition, paying attention to health is something that's kind of newer to my wife and I because you know we're very typical, you know, standard American type diet until about a year ago. And my oldest son is a real picky eater. He actually has an autism spectrum disorder. The younger one will eat literally anything you put out in front of him. So now that we start to see some of the benefits of being careful with what we're eating, we're like, hey, maybe if we're concerned about what we're eating, that we need that, that to filter down to our children. And so we're kind of getting into this. So it's, it's, it's encouraging to hear that it's not, it's not going to be too late to, to do yeah. something about this, you know?
3: Yeah, like no, the like no. the end of the book would be and in conclusion, if your kid is, you know, X years old and has this ailment, sorry, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> forget, that off. Yeah. forget about it, yeah. don't
2: worry
0: about it. No, but even if you look at adults, you see adults and you see adults changing their diet dramatically, changing their life because they have a diagnosis of cancer or MS and you see a complete turnaround it's dramatic it's amazing so if an adult can turn it around of course the right. child can as well yeah
3: now what are some of those things uh that, what are some of the super super nutrition what is like super nutrition what are some good things that we need to be making sure to get into our kids diets and our own
0: diets so I think one of the most imp- one of the easiest things to do, and I, I really think the easiest things for anyone to do, is to make homemade broth. Yes, homemade broth made from the bones of a chicken or from the bones of a cow. Um, it's the way our great grandparents used to make it. It's the way that people got their children a- to stay alive through the depression when they didn't have enough money. They used every bit of the animal, and and bone broth is easy. It sounds like, again, a bad name, bone broth. It's just... Chicken soup made just prolonged cooking with the bones in the S- in the broth. So why is that?
3: Yeah. Why is that healthier than the little uh, cubes <laughs> that you just dissolve into <laughs> boiling water? Because I have homemade bone broth, or I'm trying to use your terminology from the book, which is just super stock and S O U P E R soup or soup stock, super stock. And my wife likes that better. It just sounds better than bone broth. But I have it in my refrigerator right now. I'm thawing out some more bones from grass-fed animals the um, and 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 pasture chickens and have some chicken feet uh, and I'm thawing those out to make a new batch starting tomorrow. So yeah, so why is that better uh, than the, little, the so, little cubes? So the
0: cubes <laughs> or the or the boxes or the cans of broth, even if they say organic, um, they might have been cooked from an animal. Um, if I don't know about the cubes even, but the, just let's even go with the organic bone, the organic just stock in the boxes, because I think a lot of people use that. Um, that's made from an animal that has been cooked for a couple hours. It may not have been made from the bones at all. It is The bones provide, and the prolonged cooking of the bones, provide the minerals that come out that we pull from the bones, the calcium, the, the all the things that are in the bones that are nutritious for us, as well as we 're getting gelatin from the joints and from the bones, and the gelatin is incredibly nourishing and healing to our body right. it 's easy to absorb the nutrients
3: yeah, and I, I know like when I use the chicken feet uh, that 's when I really get that gelatinous broth yeah. uh, I like,
0: the chicken feet lovely to see when they 're warm and <laughs>
3: yeah I, I give them to my to the dogs uh, afterwards, but yeah, like when the girls see that cooking. Like, I usually just cook it out on the back porch, you know, so it's not a big thing. Uh, <laughs> like,
0: ew, But,
3: um, okay, so what are some other, other things that uh, that are good to get um, in our kids' so diets?
0: So going for animals that are pasture-raised, so eating foods from animals that are pasture-raised. Um, the pasture-raised part increases the omega-3 fatty acids, increases the nutrients, Decreases the chances that there could be an infection. For example, if we're talking about a pasture-raised egg, the yolk of the egg being loose um, is is very nutritious. is incredibly supportive of our of our health. And um, but when it's loose, people are always concerned. Well, aren't we worried about infections? Aren't we worried about there being um, um, salmonella in the egg? And when you cook the outside of the egg, it makes it much less likely that there would be any infection on the inside of the egg. So um, for babies, we, have, we, have, we recommend that you boil the egg for three and a half to four minutes. That cooks the outside, but the inside the yolk is still loose, and that is, is very good for the babies. But, the, again, if you pick just a factory-farmed egg, that egg is going to have m- – seven, I think it's up to 7,000 times, maybe 700, wow. I might be off by a... A, a, I think <laughs> a zero. <laughs> Something like that. Um, but it's incredibly more likely to have salmonella in the eggs that are factory farmed than in the eggs that are pasture-raised. Right. And so we always want to go with, and, and on top of it, the, the pasture-raised chickens are more nutritious, less likely to have toxins. Less likely to—they're not going to have genetically modified stuff because you know chickens are made to eat. For example, are, are designed to eat bugs. Right. They're supposed to eat bugs and lizards and, and, and insects. That's what they're supposed to be doing. And so when we get a factory farm chicken that's been in the dark and that's been eating corn and soy that's genetically modified and it says vegetarian feed on it, <laughs> but you, you're you're not getting the nutrition that that chicken is meant to have. And so the chicken's not going to be so healthy. So therefore, their eggs aren't going to be as healthy.
3: Right. And that goes to same for pigs for buffalo for beef the whole the whole deal yeah when when animals are allowed to be the animals that they're supposed to be that's when you're going to get the most nutritious animal so Exactly. Uh, okay. So one of the, we, you know, I, I think one of the, the things that people would say, well, I, I don't want to read that book because one, they're, they're like scared to really open their eyes and see the truth. I think the other one, they would read it and say, no, nah, that's impossible. Uh, if they're, if they're telling me that's it's, it's, it's not good to have the little Gerber baby puffs and the, and little crackers and things like that. That that's for my hectic lifestyle. That's, that's too hard. I need that stuff to keep my baby happy and keep them occupied at a restaurant. So what are some of like the, the finger foods that you can, you can start doing there just as easy. You just have to like kind of wrap your head around a new way of thinking. What are some of the the finger foods that are super nutritious?
0: Right. I think, I think a big part of, The issue is the preparation that's needed. So if you really are going to go out and you're going to spend, you're going to go out and you need finger foods to take with you, you have to think ahead. You can't just, with crackers and and puffs, you can just throw them in. So this is something that you just need to think ahead. So to, to cook up some vegetables. Um, and to have some cooked carrots or some sweet potatoes and just to put them in a container and take them with you. It's very easy for a baby to take them, take a little sweet potato, roll it into a little ball and the child can pick up a little piece of sweet potato that way. Some avocado pieces, just they have to be old enough that they obviously, and the avocado has to be soft enough for their, for their age and their readiness to eat. Um, some soft fruits are always great, like some soft pears, bananas, um, liverwurst is one of my favorites because the liver is one of the most nutritious um, animal products that's out there and liverwurst when it's made from a clean liver from a clean cow um, it is incredibly high in iron and zinc and B12 and vitamin C and really helps to, to build the body and so when you get a clean liverwurst it's very easy to take with you just take it again cut it up and bring it with you right. um, and for some, and for once a month, I do recommend something like um, some caviar, some salmon roe. It's not something I would probably pop in and take with you when you go <laughs> somewhere, but to have it in your home and to let your children experience, the like the salmon roe, they're a little bit bigger caviar, and they're easy to pick up. They really work with that pincer grasp of a nine-month-old, so it's really nice. Um, but they're high in vitamin A, and so they're incredibly good for the immune system. They're good for the bones. They're good for the eyes. Um it's good for many different things, so that's so yeah wouldn't
3: much. wouldn't recommend just like slapping some caviar like into your pocket with nothing around it and just like <laughs> kind of slightly like, gooping it out like this is not working. that's not what she's saying people um <laughs> <laughs> so uh well, let's see you yeah, yeah um you will be so proud of Rick because he grew up very narrow palate, just would only eat a, a couple of foods literally. <laughs> And last week, Rick, for the first time in his adult life, ate some asparagus, and there's a. And he videoed it, and we're gonna link to the video in the uh, in the show notes because it is hilarious watching him.
2: What? It's funny. <laughs> huh.
3: Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Okay, we'll just keep going. Um, we might have lost him. But um, just real quick, what are, what are some changes that you've seen, you know, since you started practicing uh, as far as, you know, from a, from a clinical perspective? And then where do you think the health of America is heading if, if nothing changes?
0: Well, if nothing changes, I think the autism epidemic is a pretty good indicator of where we're heading. Right. I can't imagine what's going to happen in 10 more years. I mean, is it going to be that we're going to have one in every five kids that's autistic? I mean, that's terrifying. Right. Absolutely terrifying. And and with all the epidemics, with with, with the asthma, with, with allergies, and, and eosinophilic esophagitis is a new illness that's out there that no one t- ever talked about before, but we're seeing so many kids with that. Um, it's just... I, I am. I, I think that there's going to have to be a change because I think there's. It's going to. We're going to demand it. The world's going to demand it. The question is, is it going to really? be... You know, I'm, I'm not very being very positive here because <laughs> no, no. I don't like sounding so negative. Um, well, I asked you a I very realize, negative
3: question. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I'm really I'm hopeful that 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 because we are seeing a turnaround. We are seeing more people with the internet. It's incredible the amount of people that are becoming. You know, Taking knowledge upon themselves and not just trusting our government to protect us, and they're taking the steps to learn and read and educate themselves and 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 take care of their kids on their own. And I think that is, if we continued along that path, then we're going to see we might see some great changes out there. They've recently allowed raw milk. I mean, California
1: um,
0: is drinks raw milk, and I think there was just recently another state approved raw milk to be. Allowed as being to be sold by farmers to for human consumption. I know Canada recently um, downgraded the risk status of raw milk, as previously was thought to be uh, a big time high risk food, and they now consider it a low risk food. So as things change like that, I, I really do hope that we're going to get more nutritious foods in our diet, and um, people will start raising the awareness about genetically modified foods and we get rid of those. And if we can make some of those changes, I think it's going to be great. The hardest part, I think, is the sugar. And the sugar is huge. We eat so much sugar. um, And I don't know if that's going to ever go away.
3: Well, then you get like on the Super Bowl last night, you know, all the, like the Coca-Cola commercial. It's like, happy America and all this stuff. And it's like, no, you're... Or America the Beautiful was like the hashtag, and I'm like, if everyone, if all Americans drank nothing but Coke for their liquid, America would not be beautiful. Like that's like what yeah. I did, but but they're the ones that can pay to have the Super Bowl commercial. and It's just such a like a scam to me. But Rick, do we have you back? By the way,
2: yeah, I, I am back, and that's an interesting point. My wife and I were talking about that. Uh, it, you know, the ads for Coca Cola, the ads for you know the sugars and stuff like that. It's almost like. To me, now that we pay attention to stuff like this, it's like a commercial for heroin. Like imagine a commercial on TV that said, "Hey, heroin will make you feel well." No, it doesn't make you feel great. It kills you. It kills you quicker than sugar, but it kills you just as deadly. And you know, it's just important to me as a as a parent of young children. It's It's something that's on you know the forefront of what we're thinking about. My wife and I, you know, we want to know that our children are well taken care of, that they're well educated, that they're, well, you know, that, that they're going to be healthy. And this is something I think so many people overlook because you know children can be picky eaters and children you know, want to do what they want to do. And it's kind of hard sometimes to do the, the right thing. But this is something that it just, I think you said it earlier, doctor, this is like a, a nutritional base, a foundation that we have to give them for the rest of their lives.
0: Right, that's our job as parents, right? Our job is to create a strong foundation for our kids mentally, physically, emotionally. And and what are we doing when we're giving them sugar cereal for breakfast and and candy throughout the day and pop to drink? We're, we're not really building them up much at all. Yeah, one, In fact, one, we're, we're tearing them down.
3: Yeah, one thing that gets me is like when, you know, I mean, I'm not... When we go to a birthday party, like they get a cupcake, we go to... You know, we got to eat w- once or twice a week, and if it's a place like uh, that has free ice cream afterwards, you know, like for the it's it's. But for ninety percent of the time, it's we avoid it. So, but like I say, we are out somewhere, and it's not sort of one of those special occasions. And then people are like every every meal it turns into like a special occasion. You can like justify it, but if it's not one We're of those,
0: going to the bank, yeah, oh yeah, the yeah. hey, the
3: sun came up. <laughs> Let's have a donut for breakfast and celebrate. <laughs> the world's not over. Uh, but you know, people are like, oh, you're depriving your kids, and I'm like. No, I, I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm depriving my kids. I feel like I would be depriving them of like a healthy future if that was something that we let them do all the time, every day, and drink, you know, the juice and the cokes all day and have powdered donuts for breakfast and macaroni and cheese or a lunchable or something for lunch or just a typical school lunch yeah. and then dinner is just sort of some, you know, let's get a pizza or go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, I feel like that is depriving your kids, not the other way around. We just have to sort of switch the paradigm there.
0: Well, it's very much like it's convenience-based. And so right. it's very convenient to watch television, but will we not send our kids to school and let them watch television? Exactly.
3: It's like it's like the only the things that sort of fit into our... Like, oh, Coke is, tastes great, and I like Coke, so I don't want to admit that Coke is bad. So, we're going to let Coke be, you know, this, like, yeah, you know, like when your kid's sick, you give them Sprite. Like, Rick and I talked about that on another show. Like, that was just sort of the go to, uh, this will make you better drink Sprite. Carbonated sugar. I had ginger
0: ginger ale. Was growing up, yeah. that was the one that we had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With well, the first three
3: ingredients are different forms of sugar, and then there's like some sort of trace amount of ginger in there somewhere. So yeah, not quite the yeah. the the ginger health effects from just like the actual ginger root. But right. well, um, let's see. Uh, Rick, did you have anything else before I get to the final question here?
2: Well, I mean, as someone that's kind of relatively new to paying attention to health and wellness, and you know, trying to think outside the box, this is particularly interesting. Like I mentioned earlier, but also, you you hit it on earlier, and I dropped out of the call real briefly. Uh, my video of me eating asparagus. Yeah, asterisk, I was going to ask everyone, you to do every, this. Everyone giggled about that, and it was funny, and it's funny to me. But uh, I grew a very narrow palate. Uh, I was a very picky eater, and it was more, you know, it was probably really difficult for my parents to try to find foods for me to eat. So they eventually gave up, and I ate what I want. Well here I am, I'm 34 years old and I'm trying to be more healthy and I just didn't have this base of like here are foods that I eat often and it's like five or six of them and I'm having to branch out and that's almost to me at least from my perspective that's to me the most important part of trying to get my kids to eat healthy foods is so that when they're, you know, I know a 16 year old is going to go out and have pizza and, and right. you know stuff like that but when they're 20, 21, 22, they get to be adults, they need to understand like, hey, these are everyday foods, these are sometimes foods, and you know these are the things that you eat to maintain your life, and once in a while you can have a slice of pizza, or once in a while you have a hamburger, but uh, just separate from like the, you have to give them nutrition, you have to give them experience to, to know what's right to eat and what's not right to eat. You know, we say to my, my oldest son, uh, you have to eat your vegetables because they're, it, meats and vegetables because they're growing foods. And he wants donuts. And we say, well, grow, donuts aren't growing foods, although they, you know, kind of grow horizontally. and are like, like donuts but- are dying foods.
0: I love that. I love that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, but that's to, – to, I mean if it's not just about like the, the nutrition aspect to people, if for nothing else, it should be like the, hey, if look at me as the poster child of this. If you don't give your children nutritious foods, they will grow up and they will not eat vegetables because they won't know anything about vegetables. They will grow up and they will eat five core foods that are probably not healthy, that are probably full of grains and sugars and garbage because that's what they've always eaten and they'll have to go through this kind of either transformative – you know, eating more things or they will have to just curl up and be uh, unhealthy and look like garbage and feel like garbage all the time.
3: Hey, Rick, I, we, we grilled some asparagus last night. I, I had a whole, we had a whole big grilling thing for the Super Bowl and she would take like three or four asparagus deals and wrap them in bacon and gr- we grilled those and it's probably the best asparagus I've ever had. She was like, you need to tell Rick to make his asparagus like this because it, they were amazing. <laughs>
2: Maybe I will do that. Uh, on the list, by the way, is uh, the olives and mushrooms. will get done this week. I've okay. never eaten an olive, Doctor. I've never eaten a mushroom, <laughs> and I'm going to eat those this week. And maybe the video will be funny. Hopefully, yeah. as funny as the asparagus one. Yes. But I'm I'm expanding my palate.
0: A <laughs> big stretch there.
3: Yes. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, Doctor, as we come uh, coming up on time here, I will ask you the question that I've asked all but one of my guests and it was the last last couple we had on I, I forgot um, so it is what is something and it doesn't have anything to do with with your practice or health or wellness or anything just something about you what is something that you enjoy about life or something that you do to make life more enjoyable
0: it's a great question it's a great question and um, and I think there's two, ans- two answers one is um, from me I went I with all of my, my health and my nutrition and all this stuff, I really put it to the side. Um, I put my own self to, to, to the side, trying to help my patients, trying to help my kids. And really, for 15 years, I think I went with working out maybe once a month. Ridiculous. And I forgot how much I loved it. And it was really just within the last maybe six months that I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. I am not... I need to be the change I want to see in the world. And I used to like it. I know I did. I know I did. <laughs> Somewhere I really there. I really did as a kid. And I decided and I set into my schedule, I set time aside for myself in order to work out. And and for the last six months, I have been quite religious about creating that space and, and, and following through. And I feel so good about myself. I feel good physically. I feel good mentally. And and I can't even believe I went so long <laughs> without, without taking that time for me. And so I, am um, and it's great. It's that's great. good.
3: Very good. Yes. That, that, that's the enjoy life like a human and also a move like a human, uh, pillar all, yes. all in there. So, All right, Dr. Ehrlich, I sure appreciate your time. I know you're very, very busy, and uh, really thank you for your insight. And I will tell everybody that listens, and and whether they listen to this show or just are in a room and they can hear me speaking, I will tell them to buy and read Super Nutrition for Babies. I got a book for my brother who is expecting in March. I mean, there is, like, recipes and information and charts on when— certain foods you can start doing things and where do I get raw milk and just all sort of, I mean any question you have about any of this stuff is in this book and we keep it in our pantry in our kitchen and we use it for references we use it for recipes and it's just a great great book so thank you for writing it if you see you. if you see Kelly Genslinger, uh tell her thank you as well, well uh,
0: thank you so much yes I really, I really appreciate this opportunity to 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 speak and i'm so glad that you have enjoyed the book and and that you'll share it, it's terrific, and I think it makes such a difference. So i I appreciate it. All
3: right, well, Doctor Eric, Ricky, any any uh, uh, final thoughts?
2: No, it's uh, it's very interesting, you know, and it's something that impacts a lot of people. And that's it's never too late to start uh, doing the right thing, you know.
3: Right. Very that's good. Absolutely right. All right, Doctor Eric, I sure appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, we'll have you back on sometime in the future.
0: Okay. Thank you. You're listening to the Simply Human podcast.
3: All right, you can find Dr. Ehrlich online at HealingTheWholeChild.com and her book, which I mentioned, Super Nutrition for Babies, is one that I reference daily. Uh, she is just a, a very sharp, bright person, and I'm looking forward to having her back on the show uh, in the future. And it was, Rick, it was great having you on that interview as well.
2: Well, and this is something I'm you know, pending my quirks of my weird schedule that I'm going to try to do more often, but it was really interesting to talk. I, I find a lot of interest in doctors who are thinking outside the box
3: Conventional and, medicine, I, that sounds
2: yeah. weird and random but like there was a time where uh the thinking of the box so to speak was that the earth was flat and everyone anyone who challenged that well was killed but like uh or christopher columbus like uh there was a time that that was conventional thinking and if you thought any any other way you're an idiot well you know as mankind went on and we figured more things out you know we discovered that the world isn't flat anymore and that's to me almost what like the you know the grain-based you know conventional FDA type dietary guidelines and stuff like that that's like the world is flat thinking and I'm just intrigued a lot by actual medically trained doctors like her like Dr. Stephen Tate like all these people that are doing like legitimate research that are finding that the world isn't flat. The world is round, and here's why. And uh, she's she's a very, very interesting perspective from her. I really enjoyed it.
3: So check out her website. Buy the book. Uh, Even if you don't have small kids, it's just a good, you know, because we are all just large kids. So a lot of it applies to us as well. Most of it applies to us as well. I love, in that book, there are ads from, like, the 50s and 40s even that are, like, Feed your babies Vienna sausages and like <laughs> liver and you know which of course Vienna sausages have changed uh, over the years but it, it was like they had it right you know from a, from the no no, no processed foods uh, thing back then so anyway great book uh, and thank you Dr Ehrlich again for being on so now it's time for the humans being human segment and we're gonna hear from Jason and Mira Carlton who were on the show last time. And they did that six-year, seven-continent, hundred-country tour, kind of the Western Ape, modern Western, Western A. prize deal. And they saw some really, really interesting things in all these native you know, tribes they would go to in Africa and Australia and different places and would see some things. You know, these tribes had never seen, you know, a white person before or an American or whatever. And, and being exposed to some of their traditions and things was really interesting. So I really think... I think the title of this uh, podcast is going to be something like uh, breastfeeding. Uh, the, you know, the, the Dr. Ehrlich interview, obviously, and breastfeeding and breastfeeding pigs. So, if you if that title of the podcast got you to this point, you will not be disappointed.
1: Yeah. So. You know, visiting a lot of tribes, you always find that they have unusual customs or that they think our customs are unusual. Right. And when we went up to the northern region of Tari in in Papua New Guinea, you know, you see all these crazy things. There's a whole community that, you know, spits on each other's hair and (laughs) creates these weird helmets from it.
3: I do that. Is that not... Is that yeah. that right? I mean, three, but they so. do it like 10 times a day <laughs> and then 25 years.
1: And it's crazy. They have these actual helmets made out of their whole, whole hair. And then you go to another community and like that community is all, you know, all dressed up. So they paint their bodies just to look like bones. So they look like skeleton oh, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we went to this one tribe. We went to where all the women live because, of course, the women aren't allowed to be with the men because um, the men have so many wives they thought they would fight. So they shove <laughs> all the community yeah. across the pond <laughs> and um, visit the wives on there each evenings. So we walked into that community, and the first strange thing I saw. So
3: you're in the women community. You're, you're going into the the woman. We're the going women into women's community,
1: community okay. finally yeah. to see how they're living, because we spent a lot of time with the guys and the warriors and stuff yeah. like that for Jason. I want to see what the girls are all doing this whole time. <laughs> so we go in, and we're you know they all have all these piercings like through their noses, and you know. All the you know, big, huge things through their ears, and the ones through their noses are actually kind of funny because those are actually used as their utensils to eat. Oh, which was kind of disgusting. Wait, do they like take
3: them out of the hole and eat with them, yeah, just pull it right out? Right out. Oh so, man, that's one way to not lose something. Maybe I can do that with my car keys. Just like put my <laughs> car keys into my like lip or something.
1: Well, they just thought that I was the funniest thing that they had ever seen. I'm dressed like a guy. I'm in, yeah. pants. I'm in jeans and whatever. And they decide they want to put me in all of their grass skirt and, oh, you know, boy. the whole shebang. And so we started to do the whole process. And I have my belly button pierced. Okay. And Which they
3: probably loved.
1: Well, they had never seen that before. Okay. Of all the strange places to pierce, that was the weirdest they could think of. (laughs) Because there
3: was, like, no purpose? Is that, like, like there was no, like, functional? they're they're
1: yanking on my (laughs) belly button. They're pulling it. They're all coming around to see what this woman has found in my stomach. (laughs) And was it part of me? And the funny thing is we stayed with them. What was the use
3: of it? Yeah. I didn't understand it just being decorative. Right, right, right.
1: (laughs) So the funny thing is we stayed with them for a while. And within, I'd say, a matter of days, it was the new trend. (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, did they all start doing it?
1: They now decided that belly button piercing was a really good idea. <laughs> oh,
3: my goodness. That's hilarious. And like like to us, like a belly button piercing or any piercing is like some big monumental event. They're like, hey, she's got her belly button pierced. Okay. And they got grabbed like a stick and just like pierced their belly buttons. <laughs> like yeah,
1: they literally just go right through it. They're, they're not shy. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, another strange thing about the women there is that the women have to nurse the pigs. What? Yeah, that took a while to get used to watching because to me it looked incredibly painful oh and,
3: my goodness um, like not not the adult pigs like hopefully the, the, yeah, the little baby pigs
1: they're Piglets, babies but, yeah. still, but good still good and- oh they don't look very gentle.
3: <laughs> so, what's the like? What's the reasoning? Is like, are the mom pigs like have to be taken away? Are they, you know, over on the guy island? Uh... <laughs> well, the reasoning is because women in that particular community, uh, pigs are are revered more than women are. Oh, so, okay. the women, um, you, like, in order to buy a wife, because that's how you do it, they call it buying a Mary, Mary meaning woman to them. You you purchase your wife with pigs, so pigs are like their money, and so for a woman, you know, those pigs are the most important thing to to those men, and so those women are definitely going to be um, suckling taking- those, taking care of those like they were their own children. That's crazy. Yeah. So if I ever use that on my wife, like, hey, we could move to this place where pigs are more important than women, I don't think that would fly. I think she no, would just punch me up. a lot. of people- Yeah. <laughs> I would be eating or uh, using utensils. That I would be pulling out of my face at that point. Uh, that she yeah. would have shoved into my cheek. And you should cook your yeah. food yourself. Yeah. I think yeah. at that point. Yeah, AKA she stabbed me in the throat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but, that's kind of our being human story for Papua New Guinea. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Oh, and so I'm sure y'all have like a whole huge uh, collection of those. So next time y'all are on, we'll have to we'll have to do another one. So
1: sounds good. I know we have others. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> all right.
3: people want to see more about the Colton Project, they can go to CaltonNutrition.com and we've got a whole page there on the Calton Project and they can see some of the photos we talked about cool alright well thanks again for being on uh, the humans being human segment of the Simply Human Podcast and we'll talk to you guys soon uh, thanks, thanks a lot Mark bye bye thank you Jason and Mira Calton uh, we'd love to have them back on and just share they have uh, just a, a huge amount of those <laughs> kinds of stories uh, so I hope you everyone, everyone enjoyed that yeah um, Now it is time for the Simply Human tip of the week. It's something you can start doing right now to be a more healthy human. And the tip this week is kind of going back along the lines of what something Dr. Ehrlich said earlier in the show. And it's, don't think that anything that you've done in the past is necessarily not reversible. I mean, don't just give up. Don't just say, well, I... I ate bad for breakfast, so I'm just gonna have the rest of the day is gonna be bad, and and or the rest of the week, and I'll, I'll start it back over in, in January first, or or I've like she said, like don't don't think that you've totally damaged your kids beyond repair. Like we, I love what she said that the human body is made to be adaptable and it's made to heal itself. So let's tap into that. And really show what the human body can do by by making right choices and eliminating things that we are not supposed to be doing, eating, moving, that kind of thing, and reverse some of the, the negative effects that have happened to you over the years. Rick, your thoughts on that tip?
2: Well, and, and, and I think what's important that we were talking about before we started recording was, you know, for instance, like, you know, I'm – compliant with this way of eating but tonight my wife and i we have a special night uh schedule we're going to go to a restaurant that has like a famous restaurant in dallas that has it that serves pizza because we've, like, we're finally getting a chance to go out well and i'm looking forward to this because i'm i like pizza it's not exactly uh there's lots of grain <laughs> in it but what are you going to do uh we're going to go and i'm going to go and enjoy this and enjoy every minute of it and as soon as it's done it's over and tomorrow is another day tomorrow i try to take this Kind of day by day, and have a short memory. You know, there may be times where you know I falter and I eat something I know I shouldn't have eaten. Well, instead of letting that you know torpedo the rest of my day, or the rest of my week, or the rest of my month, and say, well, I ate like garbage on Tuesday, so I might as well wait until next Monday to start all over again. I try to take this a day by day kind of thing and make it a almost like a meal by meal kind of thing, and just try to have a short memory. I, I read an article that NFL teams almost a big percentage of them have what they call the Monday rule and that's the game is on Sunday by Monday you have to get over it you have to be looking forward to the next week the season's really short the weeks are compressed you don't have a lot of time to prepare for your next opponent so you know if it was a huge win that's great you celebrate it Sunday night If it was a huge terrible loss then you you know you grieve over it Sunday night but Come Monday morning, eight o'clock, when you're back at the team facility, it's a new day, and that's kind of how I feel like I should approach stuff like this.
3: Yeah, the, another thing, uh, using the football uh, analogy, which I think is is relevant because of the Super Bowl that we we just had. Um, you know, yeah,
2: like I'll, I'll, let's let's use quotes around super. By the yeah, way, that was the worst the game
3: ever. yeah, the bowl, yeah, the game of two teams playing. Um, it's like you know, defensive backs have that. You know, they, have, they say you need to have a short memory, and linebackers too. Like uh, you know, if you have a bad play, if you get burned, if you miss a tackle, if you if you dwell on that, you're gonna it's gonna mess up the rest of your game mentally a lot of this is mental it's not just a physical thing about what you're eating but if you're like all down in the dumps like physically then you're going to be sort of stressed and not really you know you kind of slouch your shoulders forward you know your body position changes like you know stand up be confident have have some self-confidence in yourself and and uh you know just and be empowered to to make right decisions and to be healthy so that's the tip
2: we are humans hear us roar (laughs) That was a very inspirational speech. Oh, thank you, thank
3: you. Um, now, now it's part of the show where I write. Uh, it's funny on this little script. It says comedy segment with a question mark. <laughs> 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 so, so yeah, there will. I guess uh, there won't be any comedy segment today. I, I, this was a template I've been using that I've created like before I ever even recorded a, a things. So I need to just probably delete that from the <laughs> from the template. So anyway. Uh, Thanks for listening to this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. Coming up next time, we are super excited... Jonathan Baylor, author of the bestseller, The Calorie Myth, is going to it's be... It's a really, on. really,
2: really good book. I just got done reading. It's a very good book. So everyone read this book.
3: Yeah. And and we'll, I'll link to the book uh, on this show and on the next show. And we're just like... It, it, it'll be something if we're both not just like...
1: Oh, oh, Jonathan, oh, oh, and then he yeah. just
3: hangs up. And that's the whole interview because we'll both be so nervous because he's the man. So, um, so anyway, he'll be on the show. So... Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. All sorts of stuff uh, on the main page, Facebook page links, YouTube channel, a link to the Simply Human podcast, uh, Simply Human Kids page, Food for Thought tab, which is articles. And Rick, uh, Just uh, we, we released another thought from Rick uh, actually on the 5th, I believe. So if you're hearing this on the 7th, go back and check it out. Um, and please tell a friend, rate us on iTunes, good or bad, any publicity is good publicity. And like we said, you know, if you can go a whole day without sitting in a chair and want to email us about it, we promise we will read it on the air. Uh, that is a promise. And you can you can email us at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com or simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So, um, Rick, any farting thoughts? <laughs> that, well, I think that's going to
2: be a joke we're going to have forever. Right? Yep, yep. Departing thoughts? No, I have no, I have no departing
3: thoughts. <laughs> well then, in that case, that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember...
1: The women have to nurse the pigs.
3: So until next time, enjoy yourself. <laughs>